that are in our life. Today's message is just titled simply Walls. The things that we build in our life to keep people out, to keep God out, to, to do what we think is going to protect us. And sometimes we build these walls thinking they're going to protect us, and really they're keeping the vital things spiritually need to be in your life from getting in there. And you have the ability to either build those walls or to tear them down. And if you have trouble, guess who can help you tear them down? The Lord Jesus, right? Go with me to um, Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 17. So I'm going to talk about two different kinds of walls. To me, you've got walls that are God walls. They're the walls that God has built in your life. They have purpose. They have intent. They have, they have a good role. They, they are meant to do something in your life. This, this story in Nehemiah gives us an example of a good, godly wall, one that you wouldn't want to tear down. In fact, you'd want to help build that wall, right? Because you ever pray and you ask for God, say, Lord, uh, you know, put a hedge of protection around these people, this family or whatever. We tend to say that. It's in the, there's, a, there's a Bible verse that says that. But to me, I, I, every time I pray that, I'm like, what good's a hedge, man? I can you know, run through a hedge. But, but, a, but a wall, a good wall keeps the enemy out, right? A good wall keeps people at bay. For years and years, cities, if they were going to be fortified, had a wall around them to be safe, to keep their inhabitants safe inside, to keep the, the children good. There were things that the, the wall, a, a brick wall like this does in a, in a good way. So Nehemiah here in chapter uh, 2, verse 17 18, let's start right there. So if you that don't know, Nehemiah, the, 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 the Israelites had been uh, gone, they'd been banished out. They're wanting to go back to Israel. They're wanting to go back to Jerusalem. And Nehemiah, the man of God, starts getting... Uh, in his prayer and praying to God and saying, Lord, we just make a way for us to get back. God starts answering his prayer, starts making things happen that just couldn't happen on their own, starts giving them favor with the leadership of where they were, where they were at, starts giving them the ability to, to communicate the need and to get the need answered. And his need to him was, my people need to go back to Jerusalem, the city of God, and be, rebuild the wall and get back behind that wall where we are safe where God has, has destined us to be. So in chapter 2, verse 17. I should have worn my glasses. Uh, okay. So verse 17, it says, But now I said to them, You know very well what trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been destroyed by fire. So you have a picture of walls destroyed, the gates in the walls destroyed. It says, Let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and end this disgrace. It's a disgrace for God's walls in your life to be torn down. It's a disgrace. Because see, when people look at you and they don't see a wall of God, they see a crumbling heap of a mess. That is a disgrace on the man or woman of God. If they see you in your addiction, if they see you in your bondage, and you're not doing anything about it, you're a disgrace. And that's what they saw Jerusalem. They said, man, Jerusalem, the city of God, has become a disgrace because it doesn't look like it's supposed to. People need to look at me and you and say, that is a fortified wall. That is a fortified city. That is the house of God right there. Because you're the temple of the living God. If you're crumbling all over the place, which we tend to do, and I'm not saying, I'm not saying you've got to be perfect. I'm saying, what are you going to do about it today if you find that you're crumbling? Remain a disgrace or become what you're supposed to be? Because I hate people not getting to where they're supposed to be. I want to see people get to where they're supposed to be and see their destiny fulfilled. See them know that they're uh, walking in, in power and authority. So it says right there, it says, 
destroy, let us re- rebuild the wall of Jerusalem in this disgrace. Then I told them about the, how the gracious hand of God had been on me and about my conversation with the king. So he's, he's, he's saying, look, you know, there, there's something going on here. There's a disgrace happening, but we can do something about this. We had the opportunity. I started in prayer. It's how Nehemiah started out, started praying about it. And when he started seeing the, 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 the openings happening, the open doors, he started walking into that. And, and he got bold enough where he went to the king and said, hey, this is what I need. Now, this, he's going to a person that's not even a godly man. This isn't a man of God. This isn't, a, this isn't a, uh, you know, uh, 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 somebody that's serving God. But he, had, he was prayed up. And he had the authority of God, Nehemiah did, to go before and get favor with the king there. So now go over to me to Nehemiah, just a couple of pages over, Nehemiah 4. Nehemiah 4, we'll do 6 through 9. So we we just got to get a picture there that they've got this opportunity to go rebuild what is defeated, what is a disgrace, what has been torn down. And now... um, Instead of going through the whole story, I'm going to hit three, three, three points here to give you a picture of what God can do with a wall that is his. Nehemiah 4, and then 6 through 9. We'll start in 6. So they've gotten back, and they're rebuilding the wall. And, of course, whenever you're doing something good for the Lord, it's not going to go unnoticed by the enemy. You're going to run into some, some problems. And this is kind of what's happening right here. In verse 6, it says, At last the wall was completed to half its height around the entire city, for the people had worked with enthusiasm. They had gotten after it. They were all in one accord. They knew what they needed to do. They knew the Lord's favor was upon them. So they've been working with enthusiasm and got that sucker half built. Imagine a wall across here half built. And this wall's. Now it's not complete, and so it's fully built, right? So they couldn't quit at half built. They couldn't, couldn't just say, well, this is good enough. I, I've been doing okay in my life. You know, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm not doing those things I used to do. Um, but, you know, it's, 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 I'm halfway there. I feel pretty good about things. I got my ticket punched to heaven. I know I'm saved. And, man, I'm just going to let somebody else deal with that outreach. Now, Jamie can handle that stuff. I'm not gonna, th- th- somebody else can do that stuff. Wall half built is what you're looking at. <laughs> wall half built. And God's not saying, uh, I want you wall half built today. So in, in 7, he says, but when uh, Sanballat and Tobiah, Tobiah and the uh, Arabs, Ammonites and Ashadites, heard that the work was going ahead and the gaps in the wall of Jerusalem were being repaired, they were furious. So here's the enemy. Those people named right there are the enemy against the Israelites, the people of God, the chosen people of God. And he says, once they realized that the gaps, the open places in the wall we're going to be closed. They were furious. Why? Because they'd been getting in those places pretty easily. There was open doors for the enemy to get into, and they were using that to cause confusion and cause problems. But they saw, man, something's different going on here, and they're about to close the gaps in the wall. Maybe we need to take this a little bit more seriously. So you think, man, the wall's coming up. We're getting things closed up that the enemy would give up. No, 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 no. He's furious because you're closing doors. You're closing things that are open in your life, and he wants to get back in where he's been easily accepted. So what happens here? Let's take a look at this. So it says they were furious. They all made plans to come and fight against Jerusalem and throw us into confusion, but we prayed to our God and guarded the city day and night to protect ourselves. Once again, 
They see, hey, we got this thing going. It's heading in the right direction. We've seen some progress in our lives. But yet the enemy is more mad now than it was when we started this thing. And so we've been praying and protecting ourselves, being diligent and watching out. They couldn't just sit there and go, you know what? I think we're okay now. I hope this is speaking to somebody today because if you may be sitting there going, you know, I think I'm okay now. I got the basics down. I'm okay. And right now, all you've done is just stirred up the enemy, and he's going to tear you up if you don't close some doors. Finish building the wall. There's gaps in your wall. And all the enemy needs is a crack to get in there just a little bit. And trust me, he's not using the, a, a, a new route in. He's typically using the same old route that has worked for year in and year out against you, your weakness, your weakest point. And that's the point you need to be saying, Lord, I am weak here. Help me fortify and close this gap in my life so I won't have an open door that the enemy can come back in. Because I know that's what he keeps coming back at, that same old thing. There's no new tricks. Kill, steal, destroy. Three things he does. And all three of those, if he can get in there, he's going to try those three things. Close the gaps. That's hopefully that you, you understand that's what we're trying to do today. Nehemiah chapter 4, we're still in 4. Just go down a little bit to 15. And we'll do 15 through 18. Okay, so chapter, I mean, verse 15. When our enemies heard that we knew of their plans and that God, see, they, they and God had frustrated them. How do they know their plans and God frustrated them? Because they've been praying. They've been praying. We all returned to our work on the wall. But from then on, only half my men worked while the other half stood guard with spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail. Ready for battle. The leaders stationed themselves behind the wall of Judah who were building the wall. The laborers carried on the work with one hand supporting their load and one hand holding a weapon. So get a picture of this. They got a job to do. They know their wall and that life to, to protect them from the enemy is only half built. It needs to be done. There's gaps still. So they're working with one hand, laying bricks, and got a sword in this hand ready to attack the enemy. You need to have your sword in one hand and get to work building the bricks in your life that need to be closed and at the same time be fighting the, the enemy off with the word. The sword of the spirit. You got to be doing both. It's not, about, it's not about a works ministry that we're trying to uh, preach to you, but you got to be doing something for the Lord and at the same time to have his word in you, have that sword of the spirit and are ready. God protects you in many ways with the, the, the armor of God, you know, the shield of faith, all these different things that you have, but there's only one weapon of warfare that you have that is offensive, offensively used, and that's your, your word. The sword of the Spirit, it's your word. It's, and if you don't have that stuff, word, in you, it's like going to battle with an empty sheath. It doesn't do you any good. You go reach for the sword, and you get a bunch of air right when the enemy is about to lay a strike on you. But if you got the sword of the Spirit with you, just like Jesus did, you'll say, hey, it is written. <laughs> you got to remember, pal, I know what is written in this thing. And remind the enemy, what is written. And that's the only thing that God asks you to do. Kill him with the word. Destroy his plans with the word. Because the truth always wins out. This world that we're in right now has is, is, is gotten us to a place where truth is, it can go in all different directions. 
your truth might not be my truth, might be your truth, might be somebody else's truth. And so to bring people back into alignment with what is the truth, only one place you can go, the sword of the Spirit. And you remind people and you remind the enemy what the Word says. That, spirit, that truth can't be broken. It is true always in all situations, no matter what's happening, and everything. Everything things might fall. Other things might crumble. Other things might go bad. But the sword of the Spirit always strikes, and it's like a two-edged sword. It, goes, it, it, it pierces spirit and soul and body. I mean, it, it, it messes with people physically and spiritually. It's, it's your, it, it is a great weapon, and if you're not using it, I encourage you to do that. So be ready to fight. We see in Nehemiah here. He, he, he prayed through. He knew what needed to be done. He prayed through it. He got his people ready to go. He got favor with the Lord. And then when he started building the wall, started doing some things in his life, he saw the enemy get mad. He saw the enemy get frustrated. He didn't care. They kept building. They realized, you know what, we can't just keep building like we were building. We need to build and fight at the same time. You've got to be willing to do that too. Is your family messed up right now? You willing to fight and build at the same time? Are you got the word in you while you're ready, ready to uh, help restore your family? Are you ready to go to counseling and read the word of God at night? Are you willing to do both? Are you willing to do whatever it takes to build a good, godly wall in your life that protects you in the time of trouble? So we got God's walls there, and, and, and we see how God's walls are good. When God's walls get built in your life, they do something good in your life. But there's other kind of walls that we build in our life. These probably, we do more building on these than just about anything else. And these are our walls. And when I talk about walls in our life, I'm talking about same thing that fortifies a city. We put up things to fortify ourselves from what we perceive would be painful in our lives. So we build our walls with stones, hardened hearts, made from our fear and guilt and hurt, our addictions, anxieties, worry, doubts, and, and every single thing that exalts its name above the name of the Lord. So we start stacking bricks. You ever seen a bricklayer work, and, and they get one, and they put the mortar on there, and slap it, and they go down the line. And that's kind of the way I see us doing. We lay a brick of fear down. We lay a brick of anxiety down. We lay a brick of, of, of worry down. We lay a brick of, 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 of no faith down. We lay a brick of addiction down. We start building this wall. Why? Because we want to keep people out from seeing what's really going on inside of us. And if I build enough wall, they won't be able to see it, and they'll think I'm okay because all walls are good, right? They all protect you, right? No, but in this case, it ain't God doing the building. It's you doing the building, and it's not good. It's not according to his plans because we build with stones that are ungodly. God builds with stones that are godly, that are anointed, that are purposeful. And we build these things because we just don't want people really to see who we are, to see what's going on. Because that fear comes in us and said, man, if it, God, if those people at church, if they knew how I was living the rest of the week, they probably wouldn't even want me to show up. They'd probably reject me. Or at those, sometimes people won't even show up at a church because they're afraid they got to get things right in their life first. Man, I, I'll start, I'll be faithful. Let me, let me quit smoking first. Let me, let me uh, you know, quit, you know, doing this or that. Let me get to a place where I'm good with the Lord, then I'll start showing up to church. You'll never get there on your own. See, what you're trying to do is build that wall on your own again. But if you let the Lord build that wall, he'll say, come on, son, daughter, come on in and get what you need. Because you're only going to get there with the power of the Lord, with the Holy Spirit empowering you. We've been hearing this for four weeks now about the power of the Holy Spirit. 
And there's nothing special about these four walls. But what's special is the people sitting in here. These are all temples of the Holy Spirit, temples of the living God sitting right here. So if I get around a bunch of temples of the Holy Spirit, guess what? I'm going to be deep in the Spirit. And that's why I come to church on Sunday, because I'm getting around some believers. They're going to encourage me. They're going to lift me up, even when they're not meaning to, because they're singing next to me. They're praising next to me. They're praying good. They're, they're giving a good word. Whatever it may be, I'm getting something that I needed before I left. And I'm leaving differently, because I've been around the people of God. He says, do not forsake the gathering of the elect. Do not give up on going to church. There's days when you feel like, man, I don't want to get up and go build that wall. There's, I, I, you know what? They, there's nobody going to get through that wall today. Get up. That's, those are the times when you definitely got to get up and get after it. You got to get up. You got to start building. Because we build our walls, like I said, to keep people out, to distance ourselves from others, really knowing who we are. We also build walls to keep God out. Because when we get hurt really bad, we tend to blame God. And when I talk to people about forgiveness, I always mention that don't forget about God. Well, I got to forgive God. You know, what's, I, he didn't do it. I, I can guarantee that some part of you blamed God in your hurt and your despair and your abuse and your addiction. Part of us says, why did you let this happen, Lord? If you're so good, creator, why did this have to happen in my life? Why did I have to lose that person? Why do they have to go through that? Why do they have to endure cancer? Why, why do I got to do these things? And, 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 and those are the things that, that start to, we start to build a wall up. You know, like, you know what? I'll go to church, but I'm, just, I'm not letting them all the way in. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go listen to the word, but I'm not coming to the altar. I put another brick up there. You know what? I, I, I'm not going to pray today. I put another brick up there. You know what? I reading the Bible's okay, but I'm, I'm, I'm not, I don't need to read it every day. I put another brick up there. You see, every time I make an excuse, I'm adding a brick to the wall. Every time I tell God I don't really need him, I'm adding a brick to the wall. Pretty soon I got a wall, guess what, that keeps God out. Not because he can't get through, because he's allowing you to have free will, and if you don't want him in, he ain't gonna, he's not going to force his way in. God will break down every wall if you just ask him. So if you've built a wall, and it's not of God, to keep God out, to keep other people out, simply ask him, Lord, tear down this wall. And he has plans for that. Let's look at one of these plans. You know, in, in, in uh, Joshua, a lot of us know this story where Joshua comes out and he says, we need to get somewhere, and there's a wall there, and the enemy is there, and, he, and they have a plan. So go to Joshua 6.5. Joshua 6.5. Let's look at one of these walls that needed to come down. It had the enemy involved in it. This was not a godly wall. This is not one that God had built. This is one that the enemy had built. He gotten built up and going to look at it as a wall in your life. Look at it this way. And there are certain things he said, hey, do this, and this wall will come crumbling down. And so I just, I don't want to go through the whole story because it's, you know, it's, it can really be in depth, but just one verse I'm going to look at here because it gives us the clue of what we need to do to get this walls torn down in our life. So in 6 5, he says, When you hear the priest blowing the horns, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, when you hear the priest give one long blast on the ram's horn, have all the people shout as loud as they can, then the walls of the town will collapse, and the people can cha- uh, charge straight into the town. 
what I see there is an example of allowing, see, he said, blow the horn, the, the music, the praise, shout, shout out to the Lord. The, 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 it, was, it, was like, it was like an incredible amount of worship happening in one second. The horn starts going, the music starts going off, the people start shouting, and guess what? The, the, the walls start crumbling, not because they had to lay one single hand on that wall. It wasn't a physical thing. What they're doing was a spiritual thing, and they were fighting the battle the way it should be fought by the power and spirit of God, and all he said to do was horn, shout. And they did those two simple things, and the walls came crumbling down. They walked in to easy victory. They didn't have to fight and find a way to get over the, over the, uh, over the wall, and, and many of them die in that process. They get victory, and none of them had to give up their lives. <laughs> it's easier than you think if you just let the Lord do it, and he might be telling you to do a couple of things to get that wall to fall down. He might be telling you a couple of simple things, and you're thinking, there's no way that these two things are going to have, have, have happen. What was that, the story in the Bible about uh, was it Naaman? Or was it about they had leprosy? And they told him, hey, go wash seven times or whatever in the river. And he thought, that's ridiculous. I'm not going to do it. And he didn't do it. God just gave him a plan. Here's, here's the way to get healed. Go do this, and you'll be healed. And they thought it was so ridiculous, you refused to do it. What in your life have you been thinking is so ridiculous, you refuse to do it, and God's saying, come on, man, I made it as easy as I can. <laughs> I didn't make this difficult. You didn't have to be a, a pastor for 20 years to get this concept. Blow a horn, shout, <laughs> you know, do two things. The wall will come down. Simple, simple things. So God's not asking you to do the impossible. God's asking you to do the possible so he will do the impossible. If he asks you this morning to come up to the altar and, and just pray and lift your hands up and get with the Lord, then you come do that. Two things, pray and get with the Lord. You know, maybe those are simple things that you have not been willing to do because it's uncomfortable because people might judge you. All these different things. And God's saying, put that aside. Put everybody that care about everybody else aside. Get off the wall and come out here and let me knock this sucker down. He never asks you to do anything that will embarrass you or to hurt you or any of those things. Because like I said, we blame God a lot of times, and guess what? Those things weren't God's fault. God was not trying to hurt you or put you in a place of despair. It rains on the just and the unjust alike. Bad things are going to happen in our lives. What God gives us is the ability to get through them, to endure, to persevere, to not crumble in the face of adversity. Because we may have a hard time getting through some things. But we're not put to shame. In other words, we don't look like a crumbled wall that the enemy has just had his day with. Because that's the way Jerusalem looked at one time. It's at this, it, we've become a shame. And God doesn't want you to be looked at that way. Because when people know you're a man or woman of God, they expect different from you. They expect you to look a different way, to talk a different way, to act a different way. And, and you don't have to do the impossible, but if you just do, you know, what's right in the eyes of the Lord, then people will see what they're supposed to see and see a fortified city, a fortified wall. But too often we, be, we, let, we become more of the world when we're around other people, and we don't look like Jerusalem. We look like Sodom and Gomorrah. God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, but he blesses Jerusalem, a city that's been around forever, the city of God. That's the city we're talking about here when we talked about Nehemiah. They were going back to build Jerusalem's walls, the city of God. You're the temple of God. Within your walls lies the Spirit of God. 
So why is this God's plan for your life? Why is he coming to you today and asking you to do something different, even if it's a simple thing, one or two things or three things? Maybe he's just saying, you know what, walk away from it today, stop doing it, and guess what? I'm going to give you the power by my spirit to not go back to it. Maybe. Sometimes. Sometimes God works like that. Sometimes there's a process to it. But he's always going to ask you to do certain things. And in that process, he knows that it builds character and integrity. And as you're going through this thing, it was not easy to go back because I've been through this long process. You don't understand what God's brought me from. You don't understand where I've been. But you know where I'm at now because you see my life. You've heard my testimony. You know what's going on. I was a wreck before in my life. There's no way in the world I should be up here preaching with a mic in my hand. I was the disgrace of my family. I was the torn down wall. But you don't have to stay that way. So why is this God's plan for your life? And I believe there's a plan for this church. And I believe this next passage is a prophetic plan for this church. I believe that today God is calling us to do something different as the refuge. When people drive by this, this place and they see the refuge on the side of the building, they're coming here expecting a refuge. They're expecting a place of safety, of protection, of a, a, a place that they can get away with the Lord. They're not expecting the regular old thing. So when they walk through the doors, are they going to experience a refuge or are they just going to experience church? And I say God's calling us higher. If he gave us a name like the refuge over 10 years ago for Pastor Scott, guess what? we got to be one. So here's why this is important. Here's why this word is important. Go with me to Isaiah chapter 58. Isaiah chapter 58. And I rarely do this. I'm reading the whole chapter. In fact, I could have got up here this morning, put the Bible open, read Isaiah 58, and walked out of here, and we would have been, that's all we really needed. But I thought we'd set it up a little bit first so you guys can see what this is for. It would have been really short, too. Isaiah 58. If you don't have your Bible with you, pull out your phone, mark this, this down, put a note in it, something. Know that God is talking here. This is the New Living Translation. Might be a little different than some other ones. <clears throat> chapter, I mean, uh, chapter 58, verse 1. Shout with the voice of a, bla- a trumpet blast. Shout aloud, don't be timid. Tell my people Israel of their sins. Yet they act so pious. They come to the temple every day, every Sunday, and seem delighted to learn about me. They act like a righteous nation that would never abandon the laws of its God. They ask me to take action on their behalf, pretending they want to be near me. We have fasted before you, they say. Why aren't you impressed? Why have, why have been, we have been very hard on ourselves, and you don't even notice. I will tell you why I respond. It's because you're fasting to please yourselves. Even while you fast, you keep oppressing your workers. What good is fasting when you keep on fighting and quarreling? This kind of fasting will never get you anywhere with me. You humble yourselves by going through the motions of penance, bowing your heads like reeds bending in the wind. You dress in burlap and cover yourself with ashes. Is this what you call fasting? Do you really think this will please the Lord? No, this is the kind of fasting I want. Here we go. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free and remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them and do not hide from relations who need your help. 
relatives. Then your salvation will come to you like the dawn, and your wounds will quickly heal. Your godliness will lead you forward, and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. Then you will call. The Lord will answer, yes, I am here. You will, he will quickly reply. Remove the heavy yoke of oppressions. Stop pointing your fingers and spreading vicious rumors. Feed the hungry and help those in trouble. Then your light will shine out from the darkness, and the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength. You will be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. Some of you will rebuild the desert ruins of your cities. Here we go. Here's it connecting in. Then you will be known as rebuilder of the walls and restorer of homes. Restorer of homes. Keep the Sabbath day holy. Don't pursue your own interests on that day. But enjoy the Sabbath and speak of it with delight as the Lord's holy day. Honor the Sabbath in everything you do on that day. And don't follow your own desires to talk idly. Then the Lord will be your delight and will give you great honor and satisfy you with the inheritance I promised to your ancestor Jacob. I, the Lord, have spoken. You want a prophetic word? There you go. The Lord has spoken. I see that as the refuge. Let's stop doing this stuff. We, you know, just, you know, we stop, I stop acting like we're doing something good. Let's get out and do something good. I love what Jamie's doing, and I love that they, they, we, we, got some plans, we got some opportunities to go out there and make a difference in our community. And when, people wear, when you wear that shirt that says refuge on it, they, they're just not seeing a church. They're seeing, man, that's that place that helps people. There's that place that, man, if you're really in trouble, you go to the refuge. If you really need some help, you're down on your luck, you better go to the refuge and see those folks because they take care of you every single time. That's what I want to be. That's what I want our church to be. That's what God has put on my heart. And you see all the favor in this verse of what happens. When you do this, God's favor and delight will be on you. And you'll look differently. You won't be walking in shame. You'll be walking proudly as men and women of God with knowing that authority, humbly but proudly. And you will be different. You'll be that fortified city. You'll be like Jerusalem. The presence of God, the literal presence of God will be on you. And everywhere you go, things will change because the presence will be so strong on you. You understand when you have that and you go into an environment, it's talked about light and dark there, right? When you go into a dark environment, when the Spirit of God is so bright on you, the darkness literally flees. It's like walking into a dark room, flicking on the light switch. Guess what? Boom. Light happens instantly, and the darkness is no longer there, right? It's the same way spiritually. When you walk into a room of darkness, and you bring the light of God in there, the darkness flees. The Bible says that. The darkness must flee. I use wisdom and don't go to places you should be going until you're ready. <laughs> Take somebody with you. I'm not saying that. But that, spiritually, that's what happens. When somebody walks through those front doors and comes in through the sanctuary door, and if they've got a spirit of darkness on them, of a depression, of, of whatever's going on, that thing should fall off as soon as they hit that door. That's what I'm believing for. That's a refuge to me. They said, man, I don't know what was happening to me, but I came through those doors. I came into the refuge, and things felt differently. Now, they've got to do some stuff to keep that when they walk out, right? You can't just say, you know, well, okay, I'm good, and walk out, and you're okay. No, you've got to do some stuff. God's going to ask you to do a few things. Maybe shout a horn, blow a horn, or, or, you know, go walk around a wall seven times. You're like, that sounds crazy. Just keep walking and shouting. The wall's going to come down. So that is God's plan. And I believe it's a good plan, and I'm excited to see God do something in our lives. I think that we've seen something switching and changing. I, 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 I wasn't here last week, and I wish I would have been, because I heard it was just 
an incredible service. That it was incredible worship, and and I missed it. Um, Emery's, you know, kinds of stuff going on with her, uh, but I had to miss it to stay, stay, stay home and take care of my daughter. And I heard it was good. So you know what? We got to keep this thing going. Once the ball starts rolling, the 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 kingdom of God is a forward momentum kingdom. Do you understand that? That it's not an idle kingdom. If you're coasting in life, guess what? You're going downhill. That's the only way for a car to coast continuously is to be going downhill. If you're coasting, thinking I'm cool, you're coasting and you're going downhill. You just didn't realize it. You need a perspective. You need somebody to go, hey, hey, buddy, dude, you're going down the hill. You're, you're going to wreck down the, you know, and say, you know what? Okay, Lord, I'm getting out of this. I, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm making, th- making a change. Renee, would you come up, please? Oh, hold on, hold on. Just wait a second. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Let me get the worship group to come up. Let's get the worship group to come up. While they're coming up, I want you to start thinking about what God is speaking to you. Because I can get up here and give a, give a word, read some scriptures, do some things. But I guarantee you that God has probably put something in you this morning. And he probably has asked you to do something. Maybe you just feel like kind of, kind of a, a prompting. Like, like, man, I feel like I really should go. Do something. I really should do something different. And whatever God's asking you, I'm asking you to be bold enough to do that today. Because I want you to have those walls fall down in your life. I want you to walk out of here with, with, an, with a godly wall, not an ungodly wall. I want you to walk out of here with change and feeling good about your life. And not everything may be solved, but it gets you heading in the right direction. It gets the ball rolling, forward momentum. And when the ball starts rolling in the kingdom of God, guess what? It accomplishes what it sets out to do. It does not return void, the word of the God. That's what the Bible says, right? And he's saying, you got to do something in order to start that thing rolling. You can't just sit there and expect everything to be all right. You've got to you got to start praying right now. you got to start saying, God, okay, what you want me to do? Whatever it is. It can happen in your seat. It can happen up here in front. It can happen in a lot of different places. But we're going to worship the Lord a little bit more. And why that's happening, I'm going to ask you to be bold enough. And I'll have some of my prayers up here, some of the altar people, to be ready if you want somebody to pray with you. But if you just need to get along with the Lord and come up to the front, it's not just a stage. We consider this the, the altar and stuff. We've, we consider this a, you know, a, a, sac- a sacred place up here. And when you come up here, you're praying to God, and you may be taking a position that you're uncomfortable with, maybe on your knees or praying or with your head closed. I don't know. But forget the uncomfortable part of it and embrace what God is trying to do to make your life different. So if God's pressing in on you or anything is calling you to get out of your seat and come up here, then feel free to do that. The altar will be open. We can sing. We can praise a little bit. And then I'm going to have Renee come out and pray for us as a group. Because Renee um, just has a special way of, of, of praying things into action, into motion, and praying things to fall down. She is the horn going off <laughs> in a good way. So as we sing here, I'm just going to turn it over to the group, let them do their thing. If we can put the lights down. And you do what you need to do today. Don't leave here the same way you walked in.